And as we continue in our series on authentic Christianity, we've really begin to scratch the surface of God's Word and viewing God's Word with proper perspective as Christians. It's so important, it's vital that Christians understand what God's Word is and how God's Word applies to our lives. Wednesday night, the first message in proper perspective of God's Word was on the sufficiency of Scripture, that God's Word is sufficient for your life. Uh, God's Word is lacking nothing. God's Word is missing nothing. It is complete, it is whole, and it's everything that we need for our Christian life. And when you take all of that truth and all of those principles and you condense it, you come out with this, uh, the fact that the Bible is sufficient for our lives, that it is everything we need. It means that the capability of living life in God's plan to the maximum is from Him. In other words, there's nothing inside myself, there's nothing within human understanding or human intelligence that gives me what I need for this life. And when you put all of that into perspective, especially in the age in which we are living, this is the age of opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Apparently, last week, everyone received a law degree and were able to give great commentary on legal proceedings and what judges should say and what they shouldn't say. This is the age of great opinion. This is the age of a lot of information. Our world is oversaturated with opinion. And what we came to conclusion was that this Bible must be the chief voice in my life. Uh, commentaries are wonderful. They have their place. I love to read men that I trust. I love to read their writings, people that have proven themselves over decades. Some of them are hundreds, hundreds of years removed from this earth, yet their writings, because it was so true and it so held up God's word and God's world head, it headed it up, it held it up, it was able to balance each other. I can trust that that commentary is true, that it's a good opinion. It's a, a chew the meat, spit the bones out for all of it because some of it you may find uh, you don't agree with, but it's still a great place to provoke thought. It's a great place to get insight. But at the end of the day, commentaries is not what I need. I need the commentary of God's holy word. I must have the Bible. And so Wednesday night, if you missed that message, go back. I don't want to review the whole message. We'll try to do as good as we can on time this morning. But Wednesday night, we really, really explored the sufficiency of Scripture. This morning, with the help of the Lord, we're going to continue uh, part two of viewing God's Word with proper perspective because it is so important. But this morning, we want to see the necessity of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everyone watching online that I'm looking at on, at camera two, everyone that's watching today or listening on the radio in the service, watching later in the archive, whoever you are, no, long, no matter how long you've been alive, no matter how long you've been saved, every single person under the sound of my voice needs the word of God. 
God's word is an absolute necessity for our lives, not just our spiritual life, but God's word is a necessity for even our physical life while we are here on this earth. It provides so very much and it is so needed in our life. For us to truly understand, though, how we desperately need God's word, we must understand the desperate need of fallen men. You must understand what the nature of mankind is apart from God. And so to see the necessity of scripture is to first remember the big predicament that you and I were found in the moment that we were born. Uh, The fact that we are in dire need of something that we cannot ascertain on our own. And sadly, uh, the human race fell into sin. That story you can find in Genesis. The human race fell into sin. And now every man, woman, boy, or girl in this world was born with what we call the Adamic nature. Adamic having to do with our father Adam who sinned in the garden, broke God's law, him and Eve. And now every man, woman, and child was born naturally uh, as according to scripture as an enemy of God because of the sin in our nature, the sinful nature of who we are. Man is not born inherently good. We are not born with some sort of natural response to fix the problem of sin in our life. We have nothing to offer God apart from what God gives us. And that's eternal life through and by the applied blood of Jesus Christ to your life, that he would become Lord of your life, that you would be saved, born again. Now, This Adamic nature of man, everybody has it. Everybody is born with that Adamic nature. The flesh, the war, the struggle. And even after we are born again, we still war every single day with the flesh. It's part of the curse of this earth. It's part of the curse of being a man, a woman, a human being living on this earth. Yes, on this earth, you can be saved, you can be sanctified, and you are now awaiting glorification in heaven, but we've not gotten there yet. While we're still here, there is still a battle, there is still a struggle. That's who man is. That's what we were born as. But even being born in that nature, even being born with this sin problem, even though there is such a great divide between you and your creator, Man is not born, listen to me now, knowing what his situation really is. You are not naturally born knowing that you are a sinner in need of a savior. You are not naturally born knowing who God really is. You're not born knowing that you need a savior immediately. That's not part of your nature. You have to have something give you that information. Something has to be of divine revelation to man. Something has to tell you what it is you need and what it is the solution or the remedy to your problem is. Now, we know and we absolutely believe without any shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the highest form of revelation. He was the greatest example of God 
on this earth. He was all God and he was all man. And his physical existence on this earth was the greatest revelation to mankind to this day. It was the greatest ever. The fact that God was here incarnate. Jesus actually preached to thousands of people. He actually broke bread and had a meal with his followers, his disciples. He did miracles. He did these great things. And man, for him to know, for you and I to know what we need, something has to tell us what we need and what the remedy to our problem is. Now, has anyone here ever physically sat under the teaching of Jesus Christ as a man while he was here on earth and heard with your own ear physically the voice of our Lord and Savior? The answer is no. So if I don't have access to the physical person of Jesus Christ now because of where we are in time and where we are in dispensation, then what is my greatest revelation? What do I have access to? What you need in your life to be revealed to you is what you find in Scripture, the Holy Bible. Go to Psalm 119, verse number 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We talked about this Wednesday night, this verse that I would behold wondrous things. But for you to be able to behold wondrous things, for this to be revealed unto you, your eyes must be open. Tonight we'll talk through that and how the Holy Spirit of God works through Scripture. But today what we want to focus on is viewing God's Word with proper perspective and understanding that we have a dire need of what's in the Bible. Uh, this Bible is what you need revealed to your heart, to your mind, and it will change your life. This is what you stand in great need of today. Uh, this scripture, though it is not the physical embodiment of our Savior, this is exactly what Jesus knew you would need today. It's not an accident that you weren't alive when Jesus was on this earth. It is within God's divine providence and his sovereignty that you are alive today with the revelation of Holy Scripture available for you to consume and available for you to see who and what God is and for you to have an understanding of the grace and the mercy that he bestowed. Those. Remember this, scripture, your Bible is directly from God. It's not from the publisher that's in the very front page of your Bible. Your Bible is directly wholly inspired by God. He used men to pen all of these books, canonized exactly what he wanted canonized and any argument of what should be in here and what shouldn't be in here, it really begins to cause issues. That's not what we're here to do, to be skeptics of the Bible. We're here to be believers of the word of God as he intended. And this word is inspired by a divine God who loved you. It is uh, inerrant. There are no errors. There are no mistakes. There are no mishaps. There is no doctrine of false pretense. This Bible is true from cover to cover. And it's exactly what you need, even in 20. 
21. You need the Bible more than you need anything in your life, more than you need an Instagram page that has great inspiration and great videos or a Facebook group that you can share your thoughts and your concerns with, or even a connect group, or even I might add a church. You need the word of God. You must have the word of God in your life. If it was not for the word, if the word of God did not exist, and we as people relied only on creation to give us the sense of God or to explain who God is, you could stand in the warm sun or see the vast ocean and see the birds and the bees and all the things that God has created. And you could understand that yes, a higher being, a greater power made all of this. But without the word of God, you would have no understanding of God's characteristics and his personality. You would have no idea who he really is. It would be a meager understanding. It would be a small window into what God is and who he is to you. And without the Bible, think of this, take the Bible out of your life for just a moment. What does it do instantly? If you take scripture out of your life and all the blessing that it's been to you and, and what it's done for you, then what are you left with? You're left with no hope. You're left with uh, no understanding of grace and mercy. Thank God I'm not kept in the dark on the grace and the mercy of God that he gives freely. And where did I find that information? I found it in his word. How did I understand what my purpose in this life was? I found it in his word. Where do I get the comfort for when my heart is breaking? I go to his word. This Bible is absolutely necessary for every stage, every position of your life. And thank God I don't have to stay in the dark. I have a Bible and not only do I have a Bible, but I live in a country where it's not illegal to obtain a Bible or to own a Bible or to preach the Bible. That day may come, but right now I still have the freedom and the liberty given to me my God to live under that flag and preach the word of God without fear, without favor. I get to have a copy of God's word on my phone, on my iPad, on my nightstand, in my truck, in my office, there's about 30 of them. There's one here. Thank God I have access to the word of God. We have the word of God. That is what needs to be revealed to our hearts today, that we have the word of God and we desperately, every single person needs the word of God. Psalm 34, eight, look what the psalmist says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. What will you taste? What of God will you taste? What you are tasting is the word. Psalm 119, 103 answers this. The verse is on your screen. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Where is the word of God? The Bible, that's where it lives. What are the precepts? The precepts of God's word is the rule or the law of God that's intended to regulate human behavior and thought. And from there you get understanding not only for life here on earth, 
but for eternal life and how to obtain eternal life. It gives you the context of your relationship with God. How are you to know what's required of you if you don't know what God's word says? How are you to know what's available for you through the love and the grace and the mercy of God if you don't read your Bible? My point is what you need is not another therapist, is not another TV show that you can get into. What you need desperately in your life today, no matter where you are in life, is the word of God, the word of God. You must have the word of God. The word of God will show you where to go and how to get there. It's a practical book. It's a wonderful book. It's a divine book. There are so many mysteries and wonders and uh, names of God and deep theology and study, but it is also a practical book for you and for me, and we need that. Uh, the proof of this is in Psalm 119, 105. 119, 105. Miss Debbie, I told the eight o'clock church, this was one of the first verses I ever memorized in Awana. This verse right here, 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And in this very, very dark world, listen to me, in this very horrifically dark, demonic world in which we are living, even here in the freedom and the liberty of the United States of America, the level of darkness that is here not coming, not in the next generation, but what we are experiencing today, the darkness that is here now, the only thing you have hope in is the word of God to be a bright light, to shine into the darkness of confusion and to show you which way you need to go every single time. I submit to you, you need the word of God in your life desperately. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only will it show me the way, but it'll give me the path to follow. And I promise you every single time you surrender to follow the light of God's word, to follow the route that God has for you, it will lead to the right place every single time. Uh, this word, the Bible, I mentioned Awana and the great, great responsibility that we all have, not just parents or grandparents, that we all have to train up the next generation to understand the Bible, to read the word of God. Uh, the Bible's clear. This word of God is for the young. This is not an old man's book. This is not a college graduate's book. This book belongs even to the young. Psalm 119, verse number nine. It says this, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? It's asking a question. Uh, where and how will a young man cleanse his way? And it answers, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. If you want your children to have a stable, solid, godly life, then they will have to learn to heed to the word of God as divine truth. And if they are to learn to follow what the Bible says, how in the world is a child to heed the word of God unless, just like when you taught your children how to talk through the cognitive response of the brain, as the baby watches the lips and the tongue and the words form out of your mouth, a babe learns to talk. And in the same principle, if your children are going to heed the word of God and live a clean and holy life before God, 
God, they'll have to learn it from the mama and the daddy that's in the house who are also heeding to the word of God. It's the only way it works. Well, I'll bring my kids once a week, maybe three times a month, and we'll go to the church house and that will be the word of God that they get. I promise you, if that's the amount of God's word in your home, your children are being set up for failure. It's up to mamas and daddies. Don't blame the youth pastor. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame the children's workers. It's on the mamas and the daddies to teach the heedance of God's word in their home. It's a culture. It's a lifestyle. Your children don't have to know what it is to be a drug addict. Your children don't have to know what it is to be an alcoholic. Your children don't have to know what it is to find relationships and illicit sex outside of marriage to fulfill a whole. The whole can be filled with the holy inspired divine word of God being applied to their little lives at an early age. This Bible is for young people. Babies ought to hear the word of God read in their home. Three-year-olds ought to know Jesus loves me. This I know because John 3, 16 says so. This is a young person's book. Don't care how long you've been alive. It's for the old as well. It's for the young. And Isaiah 40 verse eight says this. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. No matter how long you have to live on this earth, the word of God will never fail you. You'll never get up in the morning and go to the resources of God's word and find it empty. You'll never come up short. You may have a struggle. You may have a battle. It may be the hardest thing of your day to read your Bible. But when you will make the time and make the effort and get alone in his word, you'll never come back empty handed. God's word will never return void. It will always point you to the person of Jesus where there's peace, comfort, understanding, wisdom, discernment, and the strength you need to live in the darkness that's outside these walls. It's for the young and it's for the old. It'll never, ever lose its power. The word of God is powerful. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. In the very beginning was the word. You love this, don't you, granddaddy? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word, here it is, was God. You think that's powerful? Do you think God thinks a lot of his word? I promise you, he does. And the word of God is powerful. It's sharp. It is an instrument, a weapon to the enemy. And every time we read it and we claim the truths in this word and we hide it in our heart, it is our greatest offensive weapon against darkness. Jesus proved this in John 17, 17. Jesus, these are his words. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said that if you want to have a distance between you and sin, if you want to turn away from what you used to be and head in a direction that honors God, that pleases him and be separated from sin, then you must read the Bible, take in the Bible, understand the truth of God's word, and then it will separate you from sin. The more you get of this, the further you'll get away from the things of this world. If you'll follow the tenets and the truths and the teachings of our Savior, you can please him. He even said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. This book is needed in your life 
today. Thank God this word will set you free. It'll break the chains of bondage and it will put in you through the power of the Holy Spirit what's on these pages, a new man, a regenerated spirit. Then said Jesus to those Jews in John chapter eight, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, these are Jesus's words, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's freedom in this book. There's freedom, there's peace, and there's understanding that you desperately need in your life today. You need what's in this book. There's a verse that so aggravates the cosmos. We've talked about that word, the zeitgeist of the world, the workings of the devil, the government of Satan that's described in Ephesians 6. And this verse, it's Psalm 33 and verse number four. For the word of the Lord is right. God's word is right every single time. Every single time. And the reason that the world has such issue with something that's right all the time means that it is an authoritative figure that they have to answer to. Every man, every woman will answer to what's in the Bible. And the Bible is right every single time. That's not the culture of what we're living in, which is truly Postmodernism, Marxism that is coming like a tidal wave of death and destruction for this democratic republic. You must know that you know what you know from God's word and that God's word will be right every single time. I don't care what lawyers say. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what the man at 1600 Pennsylvania says. God's word will be right every single time. Take it to the bank. You can hang your life on that truth that God's word is right. It is the exact opposite of what your flesh wants to hear. It is the exact opposite of what your flesh wants to do. But if you want to please God, live for him and live a life that is right, you will follow the truth of God's word every single time. There's no way to get around it. There's no hemisphere where you and him can make a deal and get out of this truth. This is overwhelming. It takes up the whole world and it applies to every single person. That's power and it's right every single time. And thank God it'll set you free. It'll set you free. The Bible is so needed. It's so necessary. And may I remind you, it's always been necessary. You see, we've changed. We've changed. Christians have changed. The church has changed. God's never changed. His word has never changed. It's the same today, yesterday, and it will be the same in the morning when you get up out of the bed. It's, it's just the same. One of the greatest proofs that we have of the necessity of God's word is that it's not just necessary or a necessity right now. It's always been a necessity. The moment it was finished, the moment 
God had put in everything that he wanted it so that it could be yet again revealed to man as the stories of firsthand and secondhand accounts of the Christ faded away through time. Then you can watch in this just perfect flow chart, the Bible becomes more prevalent, more prevalent, and finally becomes printed. We have the Gutenberg Bible. We know the history of how we have access to the printed word. Thank God for the printed word of God. But I want to illustrate to you this morning just how necessary the word of God has always been. In my hands, this was a gift from my granddaddy when I announced my call to preach. He's given me a lot of really good gifts. I'll just say that out loud. But the Bible in my hands is 387 years old. 1634 is when this book was printed. It's printed in Old English. The, the J's, the S's, the T's, they're all different. This book was printed uh, in uh, 98 years before George Washington was even born. This is 142 years before we declared independence from the British. 387 years and you know what? I, I, I lean back into the 16th century and understand how those people were and what they needed. And you know what they needed? They needed a whole lot less than what we do. They didn't have DoorDash, nor Outback Steakhouse, nor Netflix, nor the Biltmore House to go and visit like I love to do. But you know what they had? They had God's Word. They had the truth of what's in God's Word. And they needed it. It was necessary for their life. And it was part of their everyday routine to read God's word, to ingest the truth. Fast forward, 1878. This is 143 years ago, this Bible was printed. 1878. And you know what the truth is about these people that lived in this time, 143 years ago, Brother Mark? They needed God's word. They needed the truth that was here in God's word. Do you know what the main curriculum was in the schoolhouse when the bell rang? God's holy inspired word. Maybe we need to go back to the stability that's found for our children. Instead of critical race theory, we embrace the holy text that God gave to his people. You say that's radical. There's no way. It's what we need. Just because it's what we need doesn't mean it's what we do. It doesn't make any sense to the world to embrace the truth of God's word. Why is it such an issue in the school, a public school that your tax dollars pay for? Why is it such an issue? Because it represents the authority of God's word. This represents God. The enemy hates it. Satan works violently against it. 143 years ago, go just a few years later, we're in the Civil War. This Bible is from 1865. If you can't tell, I love collecting Bibles. This was also a gift. Good grief. They get you a better Christmas gift. 1865, Civil War, it's coming to an end. And this has a little buckle 
so that the soldier could clasp the Bible shut and put it in his rucksack or put it in his saddlebag. And in the respite of ceasefire, that trooper could go and read God's word. It was the most divided time in our nation's history. Yet, what did they need? They needed God's word, Albert. They needed this. How did the United States of America, listen, our republic should have fractured forever. At best, we should have been two, maybe even three separate countries. How in the world did you heal the hurt and the heartache and the divide of brother against brother and cousin against cousin, north versus south? The way they did it was they embraced God's word. They forgave one another. They broke bread with one another because they knew who God was. And they knew what God had done for them. That was the culture of the day. 1865, 156 years ago, that Bible was printed. Fast forward to 1901. It's the turn of the century. In this century, you're going to see uh, mechanical things happen and uh, powered horse and buggy carriages. They're going to get a motor and a wheel and all sorts of things are going to happen around this time. And really, if you go back, this is where America begins to lean in more into uh, materialism. It was very few people that had the access to go there. But these people, even then, they knew what they needed at the turn of the century. And in print and in their homes and in their schools and even in Congress and Senate, you found a copy of God's word. 1901, 120 years ago. You know what these people needed? They needed the Word of God. In 1937, our founding pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, was saved. An Irish evangelist had come to town and he went inside. Holy Spirit of God to begin to convict him and draw him and woo him and he surrendered and he was saved. And you know what one of the first things he did was when he got saved? He got him a Bible and he got in the book. And this is one of his Bibles that our founding pastor 84 years ago that he would have needed in his life. And Trinity, if you don't know anything about Trinity, know this. We're built on the word of God. We have our name for a very particular reason to honor God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And we're built on the word of God my great-grandfather, D.W. Thaxton, one of the greatest Nazarene preachers ever to live, in my humble opinion. 78 years ago, what did he need, Brother Robert? What did he have? What did he carry with him, this small little size all the time? God's holy word. If you found downtime, if you found a place where you were in public and you, instead of reading a newspaper, you'd pull out your little pocket-sized Bible and you'd read the words of God. In 1961, his daughter, my grandmother, Musette Sexton, lived in Miami, Florida. She was 14 years old. She got invited to go hear a man named Billy Graham preach in Miami, Florida. And there the Holy Spirit of God convicted that sweet, sweet woman. And he said, you need a savior. And she surrendered to the call. She got saved. And her mama and her daddy put in her hand a wholly inspired copy of God's Word. And 60 years ago, 
My grandmama needed her Bible. And until the day she died, this Bible stayed by her side. We don't need more money. We don't need more popularity. When the cancer diagnosis comes, it's God's word from where you will find your sustainment. When your heart's breaking and you don't know where to turn, this is where you'll turn every time. She knew that. The crazy man that we all love, that we all need in our lives yet to this day, my best friend, his name's Ralph Sexton Jr. 1975, Chicago, Illinois, in a Holiday Inn that had a restaurant, running from God as fast as he possibly could, crying in his soup. He said, Lord, I'll surrender. I'll preach. And this is his evangelism Bible that he preached out of in the 70s and the 80s. He took and he preached it without fear and without favor. The history continued in this church. It was built on the word of God. Why? Because we need it in our lives and we need it in our church. And thank God 46 years and still going and he's still preaching out of the same text about the same God who still saves sinners today. 25 years ago in 1996, Dwight Blake Parrish surrendered to be a missionary to tell the Spanish-speaking world about the Jesus that's found in these scriptures. This is not just an American thing. Hear the words coming out of my mouth. This Jesus, this God loves everybody, every color of skin, every language, every tongue, and they need to hear the good news that Jesus saves. He surrendered to that and he said, okay, I'll go and I'll preach and I'll teach and we'll base everything that we do in our ministry on this book. This is one of his Bibles he gave me 25 years ago. This is the marker of my home, the heritage of my childhood. It's found here in these pages. And in 2006, I took this Bible, preached my first message out of it. It's been recovered. It's mine. I, I wouldn't take any amount of money for it. And as you fit, flip through this Bible, there are places, low places in my life where I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. And a verse out of God's word spoke a dump truck load worth of good and truth and mercy and stability in my life. And I got to take a highlighter and a pen in my Bible and write what God did in my heart. And this is mine. It's for me. And hopefully today in your lap is your copy of God's word. We need in our lives the Bible. Miranda, what do you have in your lap, honey? You have a Bible. Can I tell you something? More than you need anything from me, more than you need money, more than you need house, more than you need a car, financial stability, or a good-looking man named Winston. <laughs> more than all of that. You need God's Word. Honey, I cannot do for you what that book can do. I can't provide the stability that that book will provide for your life. And as much as I love you and as much as I would do anything in this world for you, I can't touch what that book in your lap will do. Husbands, your wives need scripture in their life. Wives, your husbands need time alone with God in his Bible. 
It's what we need. Miss Angie, Miss Heather, help me for just a moment. We'll close. This is my heart today. God's given us this incredible word. He's given us everything that we need. It's sufficient and obviously it is necessary in our lives. But my question to you is what is the true level of necessity in your life when it comes to God's word? I'm asking you. I'm not asking your mom, your dad, your husband. I'm asking you from everybody in the back row to everybody on the front row watching online in camera two. I am talking directly to you and I'm looking in the mirror talking to myself. What is my true level of necessity when it comes to God's word? And the way you can tell just how much you need it how much you intend to need it is by what it does to your life when you do not have it. And if you don't have a daily routine where you surrender your flesh and say, God, no matter what it takes, if, even if it's only seven minutes, I'm going to find something in your word that speaks to my heart as a believer. And if you do not have that daily dose that fresh bread, then eventually you'll die. Just like you need to breathe oxygen, that's 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen, you need the living word of God in your life daily. And the lack of God's word in your life will always impair your life. It'll always cost. If you're making a big decision at work or about the future of your career, Make sure you're in God's word as you make those decisions. If you're praying about the person to marry or what college to go to, what's next in life, don't make that decision in a season of absence from God's word. Be faithful to be in his word and allow the word to do the work. We need it in our lives. And my heart today is that we would leave knowing this. Your flesh, it will fight you to keep you from this book. And your enemy will fight what it fears the most. And Satan, the demons of hell, the God of this world, the principalities, the spiritual wickedness in high places, can I tell you what they fear? They don't fear you, they don't fear me, they don't fear what's on the church sign, they don't fear a gray-headed man with a lot of experience. You know who they fear and what they fear? They fear the word of God that lives on the inside of the gray-headed man. They fear the word of God. This is your greatest shield, it is your greatest weapon, and it is your resource for life. And today as we go into Thanksgiving, our heart should be one of thankfulness for our Bible. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand all over the building. And our closing prayer today will be, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for my Bible. Thank you for the truth that's in your word. 